So where are all my helpers at? You know who you are? You are the indispensable best friend. You are the always reliable coworker who goes the extra mile. You're the kid who, when you were growing up, your mom always referred to you as the thoughtful one. <laughs> you know who you are. You're the helper. You're the one who gives. You're the one who serves. You're the one who sacrifices. This morning, we are continuing a series that we started last week called On the Road to Realness, where we're looking at, at, at some personality types, some, some roads, so to speak, that, that people tend to walk. And our goal is to discover God's unique word of grace to us on our particular road. And today, we're looking at those people who, who more than anyone else, embody the generosity and the sacrifice and the love of God. Today, we're looking at those who walk the road of service. Who walk the road of service. And we're going to get there by taking a look at one of the most famous servants in the scriptures, apart from Jesus himself. Uh, this is a woman who was known for her, her hospitality, her, her willingness to invite the outside world into her home and to generously offer her home to everybody else. She could throw an incredible party. At least that's what we're led to believe. We're going to talk about Martha. Not, uh, not Martha Stewart. But Martha, the sister of Mary, the sister of Lazarus, if there was ever anyone in the scriptures who walked the road of service, it was Martha. And maybe you are on this road too. And if you are, then some of what I'm about to read to you might sound very, very familiar to you. If you're walking the road of service, these are some of the things that probably perhaps, stir within your heart and mind. Listen closely to see if this is you. It's tough for me to say no to helping someone else. I remember details about people's lives, their likes and dislikes, their pains and their passions. People are taken aback by my ability to know what people want or what they need. People open up to me. I much prefer giving than receiving, offering attention than being the center of it. I like things to feel safe and comfortable for the people that I care about. I care a lot about what people think of me. Most of all, I want to be valued. I want to be needed by others. I struggle to articulate my own needs, to describe or to discern my own feelings. I carry a lot of guilt over past mistakes. And when I'm tired, I feel taken for granted. It can seem like the person who's walking the road of service is all about doing things. Because after all, every time you encounter them, they're doing something for somebody else. In fact, that's how we meet Martha. This is how we're introduced to her. Luke describes her like this. What a way to be described, by the way. Martha was distracted with much serving. But to say the person who's on the road of service is all about the doing would be to miss the mark. It would be to miss the point. It's not that they're all about the doing things. It's all, it's all about the people that they're doing things for. This is the reason why they're the first one to show up in a time of emergency. This is the reason why they're the ones who stay late at the end of the party to help do the dishes. It's not because they like crisis. It's not because they like doing the dishes. It's because they like you. 
the people who are always doing for others, it's not about the doing. It's about the person that they're serving and the person that they're loving. It's all about other people. Those who walk the road of service are wired in such a way that they are keenly attuned to the needs and the wants of other people. So much so that sometimes people say, you know me better than I know myself, to which they say, I kind of do. These are the kind of people who wrap their identity around the role they play for other people. Who they are is what they do for you. Which is why it's not uncommon for those who walk this road of service when you ask them to introduce themselves, rather than say, oh, hi, I'm, I'm Matt, they will say, hi, I'm, I'm Lisa's husband. I'm Jack's dad. I'm, I'm Frank's best friend. I'm John and Karen's more successful and more thoughtful son. You see what I mean? My favorite person in the world, she's, she's near the top, is, uh, is my Aunt Karen. She walks this road. Back in the day, she used to run a barber shop in her basement. And from like the time I was born, I would be either taken down the stairs of her basement, or I'd walk down the stairs of her basement, and I'd get my free haircut. Until the time I was like 22. I'd go downstairs, she'd give me my free haircut all the while she's trying to feed me while she's cutting my hair and she's asking me what's going on in my life and she's giving me advice and she's just constantly pouring out love and generosity to me. That's, that's how I know her. Even to this day, at 40 years old, she's still the best aunt a kid could ask for. She sends birthday cards on my birthday, still does. She gave me a Bible on my confirmation that I still use. Every time I'm around my Aunt Karen, it, it feels like she is, like, privileged to be in my life. That's the sense she gives you. But the thing about her is that that's the sense she gives to absolutely everyone. She is keenly attuned to the needs of other people. That's the superpower of the person who walks the road of service. What they bring to the world is this sense that the world is cared for and comforted and loved through them. They care for, they comfort, and they love the world. Without the people who walk the road of service, this would be a cold and scary place to live. But thank God that those of you who walk this road, that you are here. You're the kind of person who, when there's a new person in the office, and you sense that they haven't made many friends yet, you take them out to lunch, and you make sure that you're their friend. In fact, you've gotten so good at doing this that the rest of the office just kind of expects this of you and lays this on you because you're a servant. You're the kind of person who knows that your wife is not what they call a morning person, that she is not kind to other people before noon. And so you go out of your way to make her a cup of coffee in the morning, and while she's taking a shower, you sneak into the bathroom, you set it on the counter so that the second she steps out of the shower, she can have that caffeine because caffeine makes us kind. And then you go and you corral the kids and you get them off to school because you're a servant. That's how, you, that's how you see the world. Or you're the kind of friend who has a friend whose father just died and he inherited a ranch and he needs help fixing some fences. And you don't feel like you can't help, like you can't not help. And so even though your Sunday is already committed to helping all these other people, you go and commit a full Saturday, some two hours away on his ranch, helping him fix some fence, because that's the kind of person you are. You're a servant. You bring love and care and compassion and warmth into the rest of the world. Again, look at today's text. Jesus has come to town, 
And who is it that opens their home? Who is it that sees Jesus has come to town and instantly knows he needs a place to stay? He needs a place to rest. He needs a place to welcome the rest of the town too so that he can do his thing and he can teach. It's Martha. Listen to this. Verse 38, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. We get the sense from this text and from other texts that Mary and Martha shared this home. That this was both of their homes. But who noticed Jesus and who opened the door? Martha did. Because she's awesome. And the rest of you who walk this road of service, you're awesome too. We can't live without you. You notice the things we need and you open the door and you make it possible. Now, I, I want you to know that we see that. And the rest of us, we, we, we mean that that we need you and we value you, all the things that you do. I need you to understand that because you're not going to like what I'm about to reveal about you. <laughs> you see, there, there's a downside, a dark side of this road of service. Uh, there, there are potholes that the people who walk the road of service can fall into. And I know that you're sensitive to criticism. So, so before I share these things, just know we love you. Here's the rocks you can trip over, the potholes you can fall into on this road of service. You are prone to pride and manipulation. You're prone to pride and manipulation. Here's one of the things that we all have to understand about people who love to serve. They not only love to serve you, but they love how well they serve you. And they love the place of priority that their service gives to them in your life. They, they love the privilege and the access. They love the fact that they get to be the one who serves you. And if you don't believe this about the people who, who serve around you, just ask them how they feel when you go ask someone else for help. When you go ask someone else for something that you often go to them for, they don't feel good. And what they feel in that sense of ownership over you and entitlement to your needs and to your wants, that feeling is pride manifesting itself. And the thing about pride is that once it manifests itself in a relationship, it can easily morph into strings that get attached to all the things that you do for these other people. It's not overt. It's under the surface, but it's there. A belief can be born that says, well, well, since I see your needs and I make you comfortable, you're going to see my needs and you're going to make me comfortable. Since I've gone out of my way to serve you and to help you, you're going to go out of your way to serve me and to help me. But the tricky thing is that people who walk this road of service, they often don't feel like their own needs and their own wants matter until your needs are met. So they often won't voice the things that they are expecting from you. They won't articulate the needs that they have from you. They'll just expect them of you. And so they'll expect you to serve them without having to be asked, like they serve you. They'll, they'll have this expectation that because they've done this for you, that you'll go out of your way without being asked and do something for them, because that's what they do for you. And then when it doesn't happen, they have to deal with this tidal wave of bitterness and anger that washes over them as they think to themselves, once again, I'm the one who doesn't get thought of. Once again, I'm the one who doesn't get cared for. And you see this with Martha. 
Now, now who's the one who invited Jesus into her home? Martha. And Martha wants Jesus to recognize her and spend some time with her. And Martha clearly wants his sis, her sister to help her. But does she say any of that? No. Listen to what happens in the text. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You can hear the sadness and the anger in her voice. She's so angry, she's so embittered that she gives Jesus, this respected rabbi, a command. She's done serving because she's not being served. And so she looks at Jesus and you get a sense that she says, hey, tell her, tell her, Lord, 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 I'm talking to you. Tell her to help me like I'm helping y'all. Can you imagine giving Jesus orders? How mad, how sad, how hurt do you have to feel? Martha is the one who planned the party. Martha is the one who chose to host. Martha is the one who failed to articulate her expectations to Jesus and to her sister. And yet Martha is also the one who's holding them accountable for things she never said. That's pride. That's manipulative. Let me check in with all my helpers. You still with me? We still love you. We've all got our baggage on our own individual roads. Know that we still love you. And, and, and hold out. I've got some good news for you. Because listen to Jesus' response. So, so Martha's pride and her ulterior motives are exposed. And listen to how Jesus responds to her. He says this, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus says her name twice. This is not an accident. This is also not scolding. This is not Jesus correcting. This is compassion. This is kindness. This is the equivalent of Jesus kind of grabbing her uh, by, the two, by her two hands and, and lifting her chin so that she's at eye level with him and saying, Martha, Martha, I see you. And, and, and you matter too. Jesus is saying to Martha, look, I didn't come here to be served by you, even though that's the only language you speak. I came here to serve others. I came here to serve even you. And Mary gets that. And so she's sitting at my feet and receiving the teaching that everyone else is. And I want you to get that as well. And, and please hear the kindness in this, the invitation in this, what Jesus is saying to Martha, who only knows to be the doer and the server and the helper, what he's saying is, you are worthy of receiving my service. You are worthy of being served. You are not worthy because you've proven yourself lovable. You are worthy because you're loved out of the gate, at the start, by me. You're not worthy to receive from me because you've set a beautiful table. No, I love you and you're worthy to receive service from me and to sit at the table with the rest of us. 
Jesus' word to her is that you are not worthy because you've proven yourself. I love you apart from anything you've done. And you're worthy of receiving service from me and having your own needs met. This instantly makes me think of some words from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 say this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died to forgive the evils of the world and to make the world his own. He did that for you and for me and for all of us, whatever path that we're on. But listen to the point Paul makes. He didn't do this because you noticed the needs of God and were thoughtful for him and you cared for him. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to forgive you. That's not how it worked. He didn't look down upon you and see you doing and proving and demonstrating your worthiness in some way and then say, oh, I'm going to save you. I'm going to help you. No, it says, while you were weak, while you were a sinner, you were not helpful at all. And yet you were worthy and you were wanted. Hear that. Apart from being helpful, you are worthy of love and you're wanted by the most important person there is. And if you're worthy of the love of God, because that's God's character, then are you not worthy of the love and care of the people around you too? And if the God of the universe and all of his holiness is not turned off or put away by all the needs that you have and the, and the, and the worries and the hurts that you have, then, then don't you think you can share them with the world around you too? Don't you think you, have, you, you don't have to hide those things? And of course, the answer to both of those questions is yes. The, the healing and transformative truth for those who walk the road of service, for the helper, the befriender, the one who's always there to assist and care and love, the transforming truth is this. In Christ Jesus, you are wanted, you are worthy, and you matter. In Christ Jesus, I am wanted, I am worthy, and I matter. And your opportunity on this road of service, your opportunity for growth and transformation is for you to, how do I make this vivid for you? Is for you to ingest that truth and make it your own in the same way you often will, will eat and feast on the needs and emotions of others in order to make them your own. Your task is instead to feast on this truth that in Christ you are wanted and you are worthy and you matter and to make that your own and let that flow through you so that as you serve, we're not saying don't serve, so that as you're serving, you're flowing from a worthiness and an acceptance rather than for a worthiness and an acceptance. You see the difference? That's your opportunity. So, so what does this look like for you to lean into that growth and to care for yourself and to love yourself well? We remember at the beginning I said that it's very common for people who walk the road of service to, to wrap their identity around the things that they do for other people. 
I think it begins and ends for you with that identity. Rather than being wrapped around the things you do for others, it's this lifelong process of wrapping your identity around what's been done for you in Jesus Christ. And I think, I think the best practice for you is to begin each day with a return to and a reminder of that finished work of Jesus Christ where you start each day, before you've done a thing for anybody, you start each day anchored and grounded in the truth that apart from my performance today, I am worthy and I'm loved and I matter to God. And I am a baptized, beloved, forgiven child of God. While I was still a sinner, while I was still weak, long before I was helpful to anybody, including him, I was wanted. And I was worthy. Because he made me worthy. You start there. And then you have to fill your life with, I think, some, some ways to protect that identity and, and, and to live a healthier existence as a person of service. Uh, so, for example, sometimes some of the advice I will give to people is to kind of fill their heart and mind with little mantras that they repeat over and over again. So, so if you walk this road of service and you're like, man, I struggle not to just be this, this, this prideful, sometimes manipulative person who's always trying to, like, get to the top of the totem pole of people's needs so that I can be the most important person in their life and I can serve and serve and serve, I would say something like this to you. I would say, you need to remind yourself that their emotion is not the boss of you. That's a good thing for you to hold tight to, for you to remind yourself. As someone comes to you, like with some, some bleeding emotional wound, and they look at you, and you're tempted to go, this is now my priority. You have to remember, their emotions are not the boss of me. I can love them, I can serve them, but I don't instantly have to feel what they feel. I don't instantly have to take ownership over their problem. And if I can't for some reason or won't for some reason love and help and serve them in the way that they want me to or the way in which I instinctively want to dive into, I'm still a good person. Their emotions are not the boss of me. Jesus Christ is the boss of me. Now, the second thing I would encourage you to remind yourself of is that needs unspoken will be needs unmet. It's a guarantee. If you, don't, if you don't share your need, if you don't speak your need to somebody else, you are setting yourself up for bitterness and you're not being fair to the person you love. So if you want to love them well, you have to tell them how you need to be loved well. It's not fair for you to expect something of someone else that you don't articulate to them. We cannot read one another's minds as much as we would like to. The third thing I would have you remind yourself is this, is that... Love as a strategy is not loving. If your service and your kindness, if your act of love for somebody else is a strategy to get some other unmet, unspoken need fulfilled for you, that's not loving. That's objectifying the other person and using them for your own personal game under the guise of love. That's what we call manipulation. Don't do that. Now, if you love someone who's on this road, you can play a huge part in their health and in their growth. Uh, you know, firstly, you can remind them of their identity in Christ. But then there are other practical things that you can do on a daily basis. Uh, first, I would say you need to be curious about what's on the inside of them. Uh, again, very often they will fail to prioritize their own needs and their own wants. 
Sometimes they might not even know their own needs and their own wants because they're so oriented on the kids or on you or on somebody else. And so your job is to look at them and go, what do you really want, though? Is that, I mean, is that really how you feel? Like the visual with them should be like, whatever they tell me, I need to double click. I need to like expand the window and find out more and help them understand what they want and what they need and who they are. You'd be really helpful to them in that regard. Second, you need to give them permission to say no. Make it safe for them to stop. You may very often have to look at them and say, it's like, it's okay for you to be done now. Like before you get to a place of exasperation because nobody else serves you the way you serve us, like you can stop and you're still good and I still love you and I'll stay married to you. You can stop. Make it safe for them to say no. When you do make an ask of them, make it very clear. You can say no to me and that's okay. You can say no to me and it won't cause a problem for me. I will still love you. I will still cherish you. I'm going to be fine. You don't have to say yes. Third piece, offer them random and very specific appreciation. The people who walk the road of service, they want to be appreciated, but more than that, what speaks right to their heart is that you notice the level of thoughtfulness and intentionality and care. It's not just enough to say, you know what? You're really good to me. You look at them and you say, you know what? The fact that you packed those Reese's Pieces, M&M's, the, the things that are like my favorite candy, like into my lunch, like that made me feel like king of the world. That little level of thoughtfulness goes a long way. Specific appreciation. To my friends who walk this road, I want to leave you with an image. And I want you to hold to this image and, and let it be instructive for you into how you are to walk from this moment forward on this road of service. It's, it's the image of an overflowing bucket. And, and that bucket with water overflowing is you. That's you at your healthiest. That's you at your best. It's you being who God made you to be. You overflow into the rest of the world with this, with this crisp and clean and pure water. And the world cannot live without water. The world cannot live without you. I don't want to live in a world without you and your care and your concern and your thoughtfulness. No one does. But notice that it cannot pour out unless it's poured into. That if there's no water pouring in, it empties real fast. Or if it chooses not to pour out, the water becomes stagnant and still. You cannot serve rightly and in a healthy way unless you're being served. You cannot give rightly and healthily unless you're receiving. The only person who can die as a martyr to meet the needs of the world and then live to love again is Jesus. And he's already done that. And he's done it for you. And so your task is to receive the forgiveness that comes from him. Receive the mercy that comes from him. Let him speak to every hurt. Let him give his promises to every need. Receive from him the truth that you have something better than being needed. Don't settle for being needed. Know that you are wanted. You you're wanted by God and by all of us. And let that fill you 
and flow through you. Because we need it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the people whose hearts are oriented towards us in service and sacrifice and generosity. But Father, so often their own needs go unmet. They, they, they can serve and give to a place of depletion. And Father, that's not what they want for themselves. It's not what you want. It's not what we want. So we ask that you would help them to come to an understanding that there is mercy and grace and worthiness that flows from you without end toward them, apart from anything they do for us or for you or anybody else. And we pray that that truth would anchor itself deeply inside their hearts and minds so that they might pour out into this world, not from a place of trying to be filled, but from a place of fullness. Because Lord knows, you know, that we are blessed by what they give. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.